I call this sermon tonight, Religion Combats Relationship. Religion Combats Relationship. What does that mean? Let me break it down for you. Jesus comes and establishes relationship and abolishes religion. That's what he does. Jesus, when he steps into the world, you have B.C., A.D., Jesus steps in and he kind of starts this new trend. He starts this new way of receiving and loving from the Father, connecting, right? No more priests, right? You don't have to go to a priest to talk to God. You could just confess to God right where you're at and he'll meet you right there. You don't have to come to a temple and sacrifice animals to cover your sin, but you can actually just have a repentant heart, right? Believe in God, confess with your mouth, and you'll be saved. You don't have to go to a temple to experience the very presence of God, but all you got to do is call upon the name of Jesus. Come on, wherever you're at, and the Holy Spirit can meet you right there. Do you see the differences between the Old Testament and the New Testament, between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant? Jesus steps in. I hope you guys are still with me. Jesus steps in. He says, listen, I'm not going to come to establish more religion. I came here to let you know that I'm here to actually establish a relationship. I'm here to actually establish something that's far more easier for you to, to kind of do, but sometimes it's not that easy to understand. Because for us, we're the type of people that it makes sense, right? Like if I invest into something, if I put into something, if I put something into a bank account or I invest it or, or a relationship, if I pour my life into a relationship, if I give, 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 there'll be one day that I'll be seen as a good person in that relationship, right? And we take that mindset that we've been brought up with. We bring it into church. And we say things like this. I've been to church for a year straight. I think I'm going to heaven. I've been very faithful with showing up and, 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 you know, jumping through all this religious hoops, right? I've been to church and I've been to this and I've been to that event. I'm, ooh, I'm here again. Hey, how you doing? You know, that's awesome. And, and you know what? That's, that's, that's amazing that you come to church. That's awesome. You're on a good roll. But can I tell you, church, it's, it's an avenue in, in where the relationship with God needs to stir up. You guys here tonight? The church is an avenue in which your relationship with God should begin to build up. The church is an avenue where we can step in and actually get to know the God of the universe. So when you come to Jesus and you talk about religion, he's only going to send you back home and tell you, listen, it's all about relationship. It's all about me. It's all about do you know me? It's all about do you love me? It's all about do you value the things that I have for you other than the things that the world has to offer you? And the truth is, listen to me, the truth is, is that when Jesus comes into the world, when he comes into the Bible, not that many people are excited about Jesus. In fact, can I tell you something? Religious people killed Jesus. People who knew the God that sent him killed him. Like, that really has to break your head a little bit. That you've been hearing about a Messiah coming, you've been studying, you know the Bible, you know Old Testament, you know the promises of the Messiah, he's coming, the Son of God, he's coming, come on, he's coming to end it, he's coming to establish a kingdom, and the, literally the Messiah walks right by you. So you know of a God that you don't really know. Like you know of him, but you don't really know him. So, so, so religion combats relationship, man, that's so huge. Because we think religion gets us to heaven when it's really Jesus that gets us to heaven. We think how, 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 how religion works, that's going to eventually push me into the heaven gates, but it's actually a relationship with Jesus. And here's the thing, listen to me. I hope you guys catch this, because we're going to go to a big shift, right? We're going to switch days, we're switching services. 
And listen, God, God doesn't want to use you more than ever than right now. Oh, my God, you have no idea how much God wants to use you. Oh, my God, you have no idea how much God wants to use you in this service shift. Oh, my God, I got to tell you this. I got to tell you this, that God wants to do something amazing in you in this whole service shift thing. He wants to do something so huge in your life. You know what he wants to do? He wants to establish a relationship that cannot be broken by trials, by, by, by temptation, by circles, by anything else. He wants to actually establish a relationship that attracts other people, that people end up being affected by it and actually follow Jesus because of your commitment to him. Man, this service changed. God has your name written all over it. This is for you to step up and step in. This is for you to jump into next steps. This is you to say, Pastor, how can I serve? This is for you to say, hey, I'm bringing a new friend every single week. This is for you to say, hey, I'm going to connect with Jesus on such an intense level. Everyone around me would know he's real. Man, we got to break out of this religious box that Jesus only works this way. Jesus can only happen this way. If it's not a Parnell, then God can't do it. That's a lie from the enemy. How many guys have ever been to our church on Sundays? Osceola High School. Man, if you don't come to church on Sundays, you get half the experience. Sunday's amazing, right? Listen, we, we, go to, we go to a high school on Sunday mornings, and lives are turned around and changed forevermore. We come to a, literally a school auditorium, and we're there at 7 a.m. setting up lights, setting up instruments, setting up children's ministry and source right we're there early we're setting up we're being a part and we're in a school y'all and can i tell you for the last three years we've seen over six seven hundred salvations in that very room can i tell you man you could you could golf clap you could give it to god can i tell you can I tell you that people have walked into the school and because of the love and presence of God, they've actually connected with God on a first-time basis? People who don't know Jesus walk into a school on a Sunday morning and feel like God's right in front of them saying he loves them. Man, you can't deny to me that that's the church. But can I tell you that there are Christians in this United States of America that look at our church and say, wait a minute, they're not an establishment that's anointed with Bibles in the foundation and anointing oil on the walls. Wait a minute, you're not actually meeting in a church? Oh, God can't use you. Wait a minute, you're, you're meeting in a school where they take Jesus out? Oh, God can't use y'all. There can't be no presence in that place. That place is full of drugs probably during the week. That place is full of hormones and nasty stuff. How many people, I can't tell you, how many people look at our church and say, what are you guys doing going into a school and calling on the name of Jesus? Because we believe that the church is not four walls, that we are the church. Wherever we go, the presence of God goes with us. Whoever you are in this place, you need to catch this. If you stay in the mindset of religion, you'll always live in a box. You'll always be in this box, and God is calling you outside the box. God's calling you outside. Some of us have been intimidated by the whole club switch. A little intimidated. A little intimidated. And here's what you're intimidated of. You're intimidated that the light inside of you won't shine bright enough in dark areas. 
Listen, that's the church by definition. We're a city on a hill. If there's a place we need to shine the most, it's in a club at downtown Kissimmee where people are drunk, where people are hurting, where people are broken, and it's going to take a holy nation to rise up in the middle of all the sin, in the middle of the darkness, and say, listen, we love you. We're for you. No matter what no one says, Jesus loves you. Do not be shaken that the church is moving outside of a new box. Do not be intimidated. Because God is with us, and this is a God dream. We're not going into a club because of any other reason that God is leading us there. And no, we're not going to be there. We're there on the night that it's closed anyways. But do you see how being stuck in a box can actually stop you from understanding what God's trying to do? There's this box, you know, that God can't, God can't work in a school. God can't work in, in all these, and, and there's this box, and God's calling you, listen, I'm trying to save so much more people. If you would just come outside the box. Can I tell you about a moment in Scripture? Listen to me. I'm not just being passive or like a reformed preacher, but this is actually Scripture that backs this up. Do you guys have your Bibles with you? Hey, y'all, we're trying to make it our business every week to church to bring our Bibles. You guys, you guys got your Bibles? I got my paper Bible. Amen. If you don't have a Bible, bring one next week, all right? A Bible is, how many guys love investing in a new Bible? That's always awesome, right? Going to Barnes and Nobles, walking in, which Bible I'm going to get today? Which type of Bible I'm going to get today? Come on, religion combats relationship. You got to understand that religion and relationship are in a constant battle. Let's read to you kind of where this happens. It says in the book of Mark, chapter 3, verse 1. We're going to go to all the way to verse 6. It's on the screens. If you don't have your Bible, if you have your Bible, pull it up. The book of Mark, chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. You guys still here tonight? You guys feel good? Yeah, hey, I got 20 minutes left. I'm going to preach the heck out of these 20 minutes. Y'all ready for this? I'm ready. Let's go. Mark chapter 3, verse 1, let's read it. Another time, Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Pause. Okay, so shriveled hand. He had, like, an obvious, like, impediment with his hand, right? Like, left hand, really good. Right hand, really bad, right? Like, it's visible. Like, he's hurt. Like, he's affected. Like, he needs help, all right? So, so that's kind of who this dude is. Um, he's in the synagogue, and he has a, a messed up arm, shriveled hand, right? Verse 2. So some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. Pause. Now, who's some of them? Some of them is the Pharisees, right? The Pharisees in the New Testament, all the people who know the Bible, but they miss Jesus, right? All the people who studied the Bible, they knew Scripture, they knew the law, they knew what was supposed to happen, how things were supposed to happen, how things weren't supposed to happen, right? Like on a Sabbath day, there shouldn't be any healing of any sorts, right? That's just how the Sabbath went. So these people look at Jesus and just say, if he's a son of God, we're going to wait for him to slip. We're going to wait for him to mess up. We're going to wait for him to say something that's not biblical. We're going to wait for him to do something that's not kind of what the Messiah would do, right? So they're trying to catch Jesus. They're trying to accuse him. In this very moment, they're looking at a man who's injured, who literally needs healing. And then they're looking at Jesus, and they're saying, Jesus, if you heal him, you're coming against the law that says that healing can't happen on the Sabbath. You guys here tonight? So, so they feel like they got Jesus in a crossroad. Jesus, you got this, this man, you, I know you want to heal him, Jesus, but you can't because today's the Sabbath. And, and, and the way the law goes, the way I know it to go, the way it usually happens, the way it's supposed to go, the way you usually work, 
the way you usually bless me, the way you usually talk to me, the way you usually work, the way you usually do things. God, the way you usually work, that's how I know how you do it. So I want to see you try to do something different. In other words, the Pharisees are saying, Jesus, Jesus I, I dare you to do something different. I dare you to heal that man on the day you're not supposed to. Woo! We're going to catch Jesus slipping, and we're going to put him on the cross. Those same people, after this happening, actually went to go kill Jesus. People who believed in God but missed the son that he sent to the world. Don't get caught in a box. So verse 2, some of them were looking. The Pharisees were looking for a reason to, to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath, right? They're watching him. Man, I, I want to catch this guy slipping. Verse 3, and then Jesus says to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Woo! Jesus says, yo, you're right there, bro. Stand up right, right in front of Stand up. So now this is tension in the air where Jesus' accusers, the Pharisees, the religious people of the time, they're looking at an accused man. They're looking at a man that needs healing. And they're looking at the Jesus that can bring healing. And they're like, something's not right here because he's, he's literally about to do something he's not supposed to do. So you see the tension. Verse 4, Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath? There's a question he's giving to the, the Pharisees. What is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? But they remained silent. In other words, Jesus is looking at them like, do you see this man standing? He needs healing. You're looking at me, and I know what you're thinking, that healing is not supposed to happen on the Sabbath. But you're going to look me in the eye and tell me that good is not allowed on the Sabbath? That healing isn't allowed on the Sabbath? Look what he says. Verse 4, which is lawful? If me breaking the law healing this man, which is more lawful? Is it to do good or to do evil? Will you have me heal this man or do you have me rip this temple down? To save a life or to kill? What's more lawful? You know what they remained? They remained silent. They remained quiet. Why? Because Jesus was just breaking that box they had him in. Woo! Jesus is breaking that box. You want to know how Jesus is actually growing you? It's when you're not talking that much and you're listening a lot. It's when you're not leader, leader, leader. It's like leader, leader, talk to me. Where do I need to grow? What box am I in that I need to break out of? When you're growing the most, you're listening the most. Verse 5, he looked around them in anger. So Jesus is angry that no one can say anything. He looked around them in anger, deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. And he said to the man, he said, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored and healed. Verse 6, then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Do you guys see that image? That, that Jesus is so many steps ahead of people that are caught in this religious box. Right? Oh, God can't work that way. Oh, God can't use people like that. Oh, 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 God can't turn around people's story like that. Oh, no, 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 no. He, she, they can't, they can't be a follower of Jesus. Oh, no, him? Oh, there's no way he'll follow Jesus. Oh, God doesn't work like that. God doesn't do that. Oh, that's, that's impossible that, that, that God would actually allow that to happen. Listen, when you start talking about the impossible, that's when God works and makes it possible. When you start putting God in a box, that's when he's so ready to break out of it. 
me talk to you real quick about the Pharisees. Listen, the Pharisees, there's this friction with the Pharisees. So Jesus, he has this friction, this altercation with the Pharisees. And I think one thing that would have helped the Pharisees in this conversation would have been if they really understood who Jesus was. Oh, my God. Would they have changed their approach on Jesus if they actually knew his title? Listen, some of us today, we have a, re a religious mindset. Religious mindset. We've been trained up by our parents, by some other people, by, by culture. We have this religious mindset. And here's the thing. God is saying, listen, in, in, in this scenario that Jesus is there, if the Pharisees just knew his title, I don't think they would have talked to Jesus like that. If they knew he was the son of God, I don't think they would have talked to Jesus like that. If they knew that God sent Jesus and he sent him with a mission, with a purpose to actually heal, seek and save the lost, I don't think these Pharisees would have been coming down on Jesus for healing on the Sabbath. I think they would have been like disciples and they would have been pushing him on and following him. Here's the truth. You come against Jesus where you don't seek after knowing him. Ooh, I hope you're here tonight. Man, because if the Pharisees knew who he was, they wouldn't have treated him that way. If the Pharisees knew who Jesus was, they wouldn't have put up on the cross. Come on, you want sacrifice? I come to bring mercy. Come on, you want rules and steps? I came to give you life and life more abundantly. Man, you know what's going to help you in your walk with Christ? Understanding who Jesus is in your whole entire life. Understanding his title. Understanding that he has authority over heaven, hell, demons, principalities, earth, air, sky. He has authority over all those things. And when you understand that God has authority, who he is, his title, I don't think, I, I think our prayers need to start changing a little bit. Can I be real with you? I think our prayers need, like, we're asking the God that created the universe if he can please do something. God, I need you to do this. God, I'm begging you to do this. Lord, I believe that you can do anything I ask, anything that I bring to your feet. If it is good and according to your will, Lord, I know that you're listening to me. I know that you're hearing me. And you do not deny the prayers of the righteous. Some of us, we have to take our relationship with God to another level. And that's only going to happen when you bring God to another level. You guys here? You guys here tonight? Some of you guys, you're letting God work with you right here. You're letting God work with you right here. You let, and God's like, if you understand who I really was, your relationship with me will only grow. I think the title of Jesus would have helped the Pharisees. Like, like Pharisee, if you, if you knew who you were talking to, you wouldn't act like that. Church member today, if you knew who you were worshiping, you probably wouldn't worship like this. And then you go to your, your favorite, you know, pop star concert. Hey, hey, right? But the, the kings of kings, the Lord of lords, the God who made everything, the God who loves you, he sets you apart in your mother's womb, he gets this. Like if you really knew who you were worshiping, like if you really knew how majestic, how powerful, how amazing, how beautiful, how glorious, how magnificent your God was, I think you'd be giving him a little bit more than a golf clap. I think you'd be giving him everything you had. You would stand up and shout amen and say, God, I love you. I love you enough to worship you at your level. I love you enough to serve you at your level. I love you enough to follow you at your level. Lord, I don't want to be unaware of who you really are. When you know who Jesus is, that'll change your atmosphere. That'll change your perspective. What is, what is a son doing in the worst moments of his life? He understands that his father is in control. He understands that his father got his back. He understands that no matter what he does, no matter how hard he falls, his dad's always there to pick him up. Man, your relationship with God will go to another level if you let God be God.
you kind of remove yourself back and say, no, I surrender to you, God. I surrender to you. Man, those Pharisees only knew who they were talking about. I don't think they would speak to him. They only knew who they were talking about. If they only knew who they were talking about. I was at, I was at a buffet not too long ago, about a week ago. About a week ago. My uncle, my uncle, we had like a little get-together. It was awesome. He told me something super funny. He was like, yeah, man, I walked in and had terrible, terrible service. Oh, my God, it was just terrible. They handled us so incorrectly. It was, it was, oh, my God, it was terrible. And I was like, all right, Dad, uh, Uncle, chill out. He was like, yeah, it was terrible. And here's what I did. I, I grabbed the first worker I saw when I walked in. It was just terrible, terrible service. I found the first lady, and I was just telling her, oh, my God, that dude I did, like the manager, like he, he, he's terrible. Like he has no respect for me. Like he, he, he really just, just threw me under the bus, like my, me and my whole group. Like he was just going in like that, that guy, man. You know, he says some awesome words I can't say. Um, telling to the lady. And then the lady looks at him. He's like, wow, my God, well, that's actually my husband. He's like, oh, <laughs> I was like, bro, you didn't notice like her face expressions while you were talking to her. Her just like, oh yeah, you really, you really think that about him? <laughs> Man, I think your 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 conversations change when you really know who you're talking to. I think your perspective changes when you really know who you're talking to. I think your worship will begin to change if you only knew who you were talking to. I think your relationship with God would change if you really understood who you were worshiping, who you were following. This Bible, man, it, it makes more sense when you understand the God of the Bible. It makes more sense when the God of Friday becomes the God on Monday, when you're opening your, up your Bible and you begin to connect with God on a personal level. Man, we're not building religion. We're not building hoops. We're, we're building relationship. We're building relationship. First thing, first thing I think Pharisees needed help with in this situation, they need to know who Jesus really was. Here's the second thing I think. The first they needed help in. They needed to know Jesus' mission. Because a lot of people know Jesus, but they don't know his mission. You guys here tonight? A lot of people know Jesus. They know him. I believe in God. Oh, yeah, I believe in God. But they don't surrender to him. Right? They don't actually walk into his purpose that they have for his life. They don't actually give themselves to Jesus. Right? You, you did it with your voice, but you're not doing it with your actions. Right? There's this part of the gospel that really people walk away from Jesus, right? Jesus, I love you up until you tell me to do something. And Jesus is like, you missed the whole thing. I did everything for you. I gave it all for you. Man, can you give me your life now so that you can receive life after this? Y'all here tonight? Woo! I feel the love of the Father on this section right here. This is, this is the anointed section. Someone right here needs to know that God loves them incredibly. Incredibly. Right here, right now. You guys have been fighting. You've been telling God. You've been telling God why you don't deserve to receive his love, but his love is thrown all over you. Even if you want it or not, his love is thrown all over you. I don't know who's going to receive that here, who's that for, but that's for somebody here. So the spectators, I love this. The, the spectators around, they see Jesus, but they don't know his mission. They don't know what he's really doing. Like, we can love Jesus, right? You can love Jesus, you can understand it, but then you cannot surrender to him. That's actually very possible, Right? A lot of you guys know Donald Trump. A lot of you guys know the man. You know him. You know him. But do you follow him, right? Don't answer that question. You know him. Oh, yeah, I know him. I know him. But do you follow Jesus? Oh, yeah, you know. Only on some ideas. Only on some weeks. Listen to me. Listen to me, church. Listen to me, church. You become the real church when you surrender as much as you believe. You guys here tonight? You become the real church when you surrender as much as you believe. 
In other words, God, I'm not just going to talk the talk. I'm going to actually walk the walk. I'm not just going to believe in you. I'm actually going to live out in your mission. Because how is that Jesus has a man standing up who needs healing and Pharisees that know about God, know about the Bible, are literally accusing that man of breaking the law. They're in this religious box. And God's trying to do something amazing. God's trying to save somebody. Jesus is trying to save somebody in a synagogue on the Sabbath. And I know it comes against what you've been taught. I know it comes against how you've been brought up. But I came here to tell you, my mission is bigger than you. My mission is bigger than your receptivity of what I'm doing. I'm going to do what I'm doing with you or without you. Some of you guys may fade away when we do this whole service switch. And Jesus says, listen, I'm going to do what I'm going to do with you without you. You got to jump in the boat. You got to jump in the boat. So this is an awesome moment theologically. Stay with me. An awesome moment theologically where you have the Pharisee and you have the man that scholars believe his name is Pidion. And then you have Jesus, right? And they're in the synagogue and it's like this awesome thing happening. I saw a theologian. He wrote this down. This is amazing. He says, the, the spectators, right? I, I copied this. I put this here. The spectators were very unkind both to the patient. So this, the patient is the man standing up in the middle of the synagogue. Jesus said, your arm hurts, right? You guys remember that guy we just read about? So he says, stand up right in the middle, right in the middle. Just stand up, right? And Jesus is kind of on the other end, and everyone's watching to see what Jesus does, right? How is Jesus going to break the Sabbath? How is Jesus going to come against what we know? And, and this is someone writing about that situation, a theologian. He says, the spectators, right? Everyone watching what's happening. They were very unkind, both to the patient and to the physician. Both to the man who needed healing and to Jesus. Both to the man who needed to get saved and to Jesus that can save them. He says the spectators were very unkind to the patient and to the physician. Instead of interceding for a poor neighbor, they waited to see if the Sabbath would be broken. Instead of interceding for their neighbor, they waited to see until Jesus fell off. Instead of actually walking in the mission that Jesus has for you and me, sometimes we can wait to see if God's going to keep his end of the bargain. Wait to see if God's going to actually bless us, if God's going to actually make our lives better, if God's going to actually heal us, if God's going to actually do something to us physically, mentally, spiritually. And God's like, listen, I got people standing up all around you, and you're unkind to them because you're more focused on the physician than the patient. I've come for a mission. I've come to save people. I've come to heal the sick. I've come for a mission. And I need a church that doesn't just believe in me, but they walk in my mission. Your schedule would change if you walked in the mission of Jesus over your life. Your contact list, who you hit up, will change if you walk in the mission of God in your life. The things that you spend the most time doing, the things you give the most money to, the places you go the most would actually begin to change if you thought about what does Jesus want to do with my life? Where is the mission that Jesus has for me? What does he want to do with me? We need more people that don't believe in Jesus that surrender to him too. That surrender to him too. I can imagine the Pharisees looking in this moment at the physician and the patient and saying, oh my God, watch him break the Sabbath. Watch him break the Sabbath. Listen to me, church. Don't be so focused on how the church works that you forget to work. Don't be so focused on how the church works that you forget to work. You guys here tonight? Here's another way of saying that. Don't get too caught up on how things happen that you forgot to make it happen. Don't forget how to, don't, don't forget that God's called you to actually have a mission. That God's called you to actually reach some people. That Jesus, before he left, he gave you a great commission. Go into all the world 
and build disciples. Build people you can count on. Build reliable people that are loving Jesus with all that they've got. Build the people. That's why we're giving your Fridays back. So you can hang out with a friend. You can kick it back. Right? Maybe a restaurant, maybe somewhere in the city. And you can tap your friend on the shoulder. Man, do you know about Jesus? Can I talk to you about Jesus? And as you do that, you're showing God that what's been poured in you is actually real because it actually goes through you. When you speak the gospel to people, you're actually showing Jesus, listen, what you did was not in vain. There's a church that's actually being reformed and remade to your image. I'm not living for my mission. I'm living for your mission. We're giving you your week. We're giving you your Friday. We're giving you your weekend back. Why? Because the lightest, the lightest shine comes in the place of the darkest darkness. And that's what God is calling us. He's calling us outside this box that you've been in. Just this box that you just know how things work. It's very cookie cutter. It's very safe. It's very just like we know how things work. And God said, you got to break out. You got to go to the next steps. You're going you're gonna to have to go to the next steps. Right? Some of you guys say, God, how am I going to grow? And God's like, you're going to have to go to the next steps. And actually join this church instead of being a fangirl of the church. How about you join the church so that people can lift you up because of your servanthood and your humility and everything God has done in you. So God can actually lift you up. We have a mission. Somebody say we have a mission. And this is Jesus' response. This is what Jesus says to the Pharisees and to the whole situation. He responds. Mark chapter 3, verses 2 to 3. It says, some of them were looking for a reason to, call, to, to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. And Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, he said, stand up in front of everyone. Woo! You know, God is selling Florida. He's telling us. He's saying, Kissimmee, I want you to stand up. I want you to stand up. What does that mean? That those who love Jesus, oh, can I step in just a little deeper? Those that love Jesus and know how he works. Woo! Those that love Jesus and know how he thinks and know how he talks. Listen to me. Those who love Jesus know him and know how he works, how he operates. Those who love Jesus and knows what he wants to do with people in the city. Those who are in the same communication level with Jesus, they see people standing and they know that Jesus is about to do a miracle. Woo! Kissimmee is standing up. The people that are around you are standing up. People you went to high school with, they're standing up. Your coworkers, they're standing up. Listen, they're, they're not standing up because they're happy. They're standing up because they're broken. Because they have some wounds. Because they have some cuts. Because they have some deep issues. They got some issues. And it's going to be a real church that's stuck in a box that says, Lord, I'm going to break out this box. And I'm not going to accuse those that are standing up. But I'm going to love those that are standing up. I'm going to look the most like Jesus and see people standing up as actually God showing me where he's sending me. God is showing you where he's sending you by raising up the broken. God is showing you where he's sending you by raising up the hurting. You know what's Jesus' motive to come to earth? Broken and dying people. Broken and dying people who are so far from the love of God. They just don't know it. They don't know it that God loves them so much. That God has so much to give to them. They're unaware of it. They miss it. They miss it. They miss it. Man, God loves me so much that he actually wants to use me to love someone else. Man, that God's called you to actually walk this thing out. 
And the people are standing up. People are standing up. Victims of suicide, families are standing up. All the injustice in our nation, in our city, man, the world is standing up. And they're waiting for Jesus to come and save them. Man, it's up to the church. We see the scenario in the synagogue where Jesus is about to operate in a way that we don't know how he does it. You guys here tonight? You see, Jesus healing someone on the Sabbath went against what they thought was right. Went against what they presumed that he could work in. Like, you put Jesus in a box, he's always calling you out the box. Always calling you out the box. That's why I think your prayer life should always get better. Your worship life should always get better. If you're a giver and you give money to church, your giving should always increase. I promise you, God will work a way in your life. So I believe all these things in our life, they should just always continue to increase. Always continue. Why? Because God wants to continue to use you. He wants to continue to use you to bless people. He wants to continue to use you to affect the world around you. And they're standing up, and they're broken, and they're hurting. But, man, God's calling you to have a mission mind and a mission heart to say, Lord, where do you want me to be? Where do you want me to be? How do you want to use me? I know you usually work in this way, but you're going to begin to work in a new way. Where do you want to use me? Where do you want me to be? My life is available to you. My life is available to you. My last point tonight is this. The physician, the physician, can you throw it up? Can you throw it up? The physician, I'm saying physician wrong because I'm waiting for it. The physician is raising up the broken and the lost. My question to you tonight is how will you respond? Physician, he's raising up his patients. He's raising up his patients. The broken and the lost. Jesus is telling them to stand up. There are people that have popped up in your life recently. You're wondering why they pop up. Jesus just stood them up in your life, in your radar. He just stood them up in your radar. I want you to see them. How will you respond? Will you remain silent like the Pharisees did? Will you remain silent? Would you speak up? Would you stand up and actually walk towards the herd?